This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by One Ascent. God has created every single person and every square inch with immeasurable dignity. And every day, businesses impact these people and places in powerful ways, either causing them harm or helping them flourish. Our trusted sponsor, One Ascent, exists to help investors consider who a business impacts and how they're impacted. More than likely, your values inspire why you invest, whether it's to provide for your family, put your kids through college, or prepare for the next stage of life. One Ascent believes your values can also inspire how you invest by directing your investment capital into companies that positively impact the world. Whether you invest on your own or work with an advisor, One Ascent's comprehensive values-aligned solutions seek to help you do well by doing good. To explore a new way of investing that aligns with your values, visit oneascent.com. Click on Analyze My Investments on the homepage to tailor your portfolio to what truly matters to you. The Bible clearly says that Christians are to give, but is it always as clear about where we should give? Hi, I'm Rob West. We all have to make decisions about where we will give from our limited resources. So a good question to ask is, does God care where we give? I'll talk about that today with David Wills, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, our guest today is my friend David Wills, President Emeritus of the National Christian Foundation, and he spent a lot of time helping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of individuals and families decide not just how, but where to give. David, great to have you with us today. So good to be with you, Rob. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, David, your article on the NCF website titled, Does God Care Where We Give? caught my eye, and I invited you here just to unpack some of your thoughts about this really important topic with our listeners, because you point out that sometimes we have this backwards. Uh, Why don't you start there and tell us what you mean by that? Well, Rob, let me back up and give some context so that uh, I think people can understand what I'm saying. I think there's, uh, you know, we often say there's three primary uses of financial resources. We give, save, and spend. And when it comes to the give of those three, there's three questions that we ask. Why should I give? How do I give? And where should I give? Hmm. So we're going to talk about the third question, the where to give question. Okay. And so one thing we need to be kind of clear about when we're thinking through the where to give question is that it is primarily a matter of the heart when it comes to our giving. So Jesus didn't command the widow, the history's most famous giver, whose name we don't even know, yeah. for giving to the best synagogue. He committed her for a sacrificial heart. Wow. So the widow walked away that day having experienced what First Timothy 6 says was life that is truly life. Mm. Then the next question is, when we're thinking about where to give, how do we get it backwards? And I'm very guilty of this, this thought process. And often I will ask myself and I'll even tell others, you know, what are you passionate about? And then figure out what you're passionate about and then give there. And that's where I think we kind of get it backwards, because I think our priority should be first asking the question, what is God passionate about? Mm. And then asking the question, is my giving aligned with his heart? 
Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, and perhaps an entirely different approach to our giving than we've considered in the past. All right, so how do we determine that? Uh, Does God tell us where to give, David? I think you're kind of asking that as a rhetorical question. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So, yes, he does care, and he does tell us. Um, So let me take a stab at um, a framework. It's not perfect. No framework is perfect, but I think maybe it will help us think through this. And so imagine a three-by-three grid with nine boxes, kind of like a tic-tac-toe with a box around it, all right? So let's go the left side of this box, and I'm going to kind of put together this framework that will help us think about this. Uh, And so what God – the places God cares about are in the three slots on the left side, and the passions that God cares about are on the three boxes along the top. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see how they interact and ask us to ask, question, ask the right questions. So the left side, the, the verse that really helps us here is Acts 1.8. And we're all familiar with this verse about being witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So each of us can decide for ourselves these geographies. So you might say in the upper left, the first one might be your community, then your country, then internationally. So that those three pieces of that framework are the kind of the starting point of this framework that I hope can help us think through what is it that God would have us do. So that's that's the first place that we need okay. to think about. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's a little bit, it's important for us to think through the two facets of this because we're going to have this grid, and when we get to the top in just a second, um, one of the first questions you will ask is, so at the local level, am I giving to these areas of what God is passionate about? And then we'll ask that question maybe for your country. Uh, Are you giving to areas in your country of these three things? And you're not going to hit every box. But hopefully this will give a framework and then we'll get to the top here in just a second. I love this, David. And I think you're exactly right. Having a framework that allows us to think more intentionally about our giving in light of the heart of God that we see in Scripture perhaps is going to change entirely the where piece of our giving. David Wills with us today, President Emeritus of the National Christian Foundation. Much more to come just around the corner. Stay with us. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at FaithFi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at FaithFi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com slash faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. 
I'm Rob West. Joining me today, my friend David Wills, President Emeritus of the National Christian Foundation. We're talking about a recent article that David wrote on NCF's website titled, Does God Care Where We Give? And David, just before the break, you were really setting up this perhaps grid or framework that we can think about in terms of the where of our giving. But does God's Word tell us who we should give to as well? Absolutely, it does. Um, so it kind of one of the great things about the Word of God is if we'll go there first, uh, it'll really give us a picture. We just talked about the left side of this this framework, this grid, if you will. And just one additional thought uh, about this left side where we talk about giving locally, maybe giving to your country and then internationally or whatever you think are the best three ones that kind of mirror Acts 1a, it, it, it probably is wise for us to think back just for a second on what did the disciples think when Jesus, or when it was Acts 1-8 was said. And so just, so when they hear Jerusalem, they're thinking, well, this is where we live. This is our, this is our community. When they think Judea, they think, well, I I know where that is. It's a short journey, uh, but it's not where I live. But when he added Samaria, there was a little bit of a twist on that one, Mm. because that was a place that they probably would not have gone had Mm. Jesus not told him to go there. So when we think about our giving, there are times when we should think, are there places that God really is telling me to give that, you know, I just, I just have never thought about giving there before. Uh, and then, of course, the ends of the earth are for the disciples were that was way beyond anything that they would have ever imagined. But sure. But they but they ended up obeying Acts 1-8. And and today we are followers of Jesus because of their obedience. And so. Yes. That's right. So now, so now, are we ready to go on to the top of the grid? Absolutely. So let's move to the top of the grid and talk about who we give to. Yeah, so there are three. So the left side are the three places, and the right side are the three passions that God cares about. And of course, you know, it would take us a long time. There are dozens and dozens of verses that describe the passions that God has. But there are three biggies, if you will. Uh, in fact, you might call this framework the great giving framework, because each of the top grids describes something that God's word describes as great. So the first one at the top left is going to be the great commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. The verse we all know about making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, going to the uttermost parts of the world. And you can see how all of these things intertwine. So this is not... They're dashed lines, if you will, of this grid. In fact, the lines are probably not perfectly straight because the kingdom doesn't work that way. But it's helpful for us to think about. So um, there's a lot packed in that verse with regards to the, you know, who should we give to or the things that we should give to. So let's just say as an example, in this in this column, there would be things like missions uh, or evangelism, discipleship, maybe um giving to scripture translation or Christian education. Uh, sure. Those are the kind of things that you hear about when you read the Great Commission. And of course, we all come up with our own specific things, but that's just kind of some examples. So in the middle box at the top, let's call it the greatest commandment. And that's found in Matthew 22. And that very famous verse is that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our mind. Um so when we think about that one, that's the second column. And then the third one to the right, upper right, 
would be the second greatest commandment, which is in the next verse that says we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So the types of things we want to give to are the things that are, you know, in the greatest commandment, you know, possibly could be preaching and teaching and cultural issues, things that are central to us, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And the third upper right box, those kind of things are the ones that are most often mentioned in Scripture, and there's really five big ones, but underneath there's lots of other ones. So widows and orphans, prisoners, the poor and needy, the sick, the oppressed. God talks about basically giving to them over and over and over again. And we should be a little maybe more creative. Um, So when you think of widows, maybe you also think about single moms. Or when you think about orphans, you could think about foster care or adoption. Um, You know, and so let's take the oppressed, for example. We're living in a world right now where there's a refugee crisis going on in so many places in the world. Um, And, of course, there's also issues of of trafficking and slavery of all kinds. Those are people that are oppressed, if you will, immigrants as well. And so so we want to be a little creative here, but we do want to be biblical. We want to really stick to that top part are the passions of God. What is it that God is passionate about? Um, And there's overlap, uh, and all of us can kind of make our own grid, but I'm just kind of giving a framework out there to help us think through what is God passionate about, and then let that drive what I am passionate about giving to. Mm. This is really helpful, David, because I love that it involves intentionality, but it's rooted in Scripture. And so again, if we have this three by three, these nine boxes, down the left side, we have our community and our country and then international. And across the top, we have the three greats, the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and then the second greatest commandment. Uh, it gives us a framework to think about our giving. Now, what does it look like for you, David, or you and your wife, as you think about your giving, how do you go about uh, putting this together, let's say, on an annual basis? Yeah, let's take the top one, the local. Um, Most of the folks that I work with, uh, by the way, Rob, they actually look at it kind of like concentric circles with regards to the places. So first they ask the question, how should I be engaged locally? And then they ask, what's the next outer circle? And then the uttermost parts. And so let's just take the local, for example. Um, uh, when you talk about the Great Commission, the greatest commandment, really just everything that we give to locally is going to intersect one of those three if we're following this framework. So let's just take an example. Giving to my local church. Yep. If you looked at what I just talked about, you would see that giving to my local church clearly fits within what God's passion is. There's a, an organization I live here in Waco. There's several organizations that we've given to that are uh, ministering to the poor and needy. And yep. so that fits in the upper right-hand box. And there are other organizations that we give to here that are um, educating, doing different types of education, especially some special needs-related things. Um, and we give to a local organization here that's a, that's connected to our church that deals with trafficking. And so I know that when I, we're giving to these things, I can clearly put them in just on that top row in the local and then I want to ask the same questions about the middle, the middle two boxes. Am I doing this in my country? And am I doing this in the uttermost parts of the world? We've been very involved in what's going on in Afghanistan and Ukraine, for example. 
Um, and it's just easy to see there's refugee issues there. There's poor and needy issues. There's healing. And you can see how they all intersect. So you can really be confident if I'm giving to those things that are passionate, that God is passionate about, that I'm definitely, I'm definitely going in the right direction. That's so helpful, David. All right. We've almost out of time. Tie a bow on this for us. Well, just as we're closing up, I would ask one more question. What if my passions don't align with God's passions? Well, the answer to that is give to the things that God is passionate about. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love it. David, thanks for stopping by, my friend. Thanks for having me, Rob. Really appreciate it. That was David Wills, President Emeritus of the National Christian Foundation. You can read this article at our website, faithfi.com. We'll be right back. Stick around. Are you looking for a financial professional who aligns with your biblical values? Certified Kingdom Advisors are trusted financial, legal, or accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure they provide biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking Find a CKA. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Thanks for joining us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We've got a few lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 800-525-7002. Gail in Chicago, WMBI. Go right ahead. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, My sister and brother-in-law who live in New Jersey, after they graduated from veterinary school, they're both doctors of veterinary medicine, they opened their own clinic in New Jersey. Now, because neither of them had a lot of cash or excellent credit, yeah. I stepped in and loaned them 30000 to open their clinic, which is doing very well now. That was about five years ago. Yeah. Um, they've been paying me back a little at a time now. Uh, they still owe me, I think, about 20000 But what they want to do now is get a loan and pay off the balance of the clinic pay me back and then um i would do like a quick quick claim deed so that my name can because my name's on the mortgage and the deed um and they i would like my name off and you know have it all be theirs so we're thinking now he want they want to get a loan and pay off the balance to the bank pay me off and then do a quick claim where my name would be taken off. 
Yeah, and I can see why you'd want to do that and why they would as well. And this happened to work out for you. The Bible is pretty clear that we shouldn't co-sign, Gail. It just happened that this one worked out in your favor. They had bad credit more than half the time. Uh, when we do this, we have to step in and carry on with the payments because the other party is not able to and uh, or risk trashing our credit. In this case, things turned around, and that's great. Um, but just be careful. I wouldn't uh, make this a habit, especially given the, the warning we see in Scripture on it. Uh, but to your question here, Gail, it's it's fairly easy to get your name off the deed. You would, in fact, just go down to your county records office and file that quitclaim deed, as you suggested, uh, and it will state that you no longer have any claim on the property, as the name implies. Getting your name off the mortgage is going to be more difficult. So uh, they're going to want to inquire with the lender, or you can, since you're a party to it, and see if they'll allow the other co-signers to assume the loan and take your name off of it. They're typically not likely to allow that to happen because they have no incentive to do so. They'd rather have more parties than less to be able to go after if for some reason somebody defaults on this. The only thing that's changed is they're now more credit worthy, but again, they have no incentive to do that. So apart from that, they would have to refinance without you. Uh, The challenge is I suspect rates are quite a bit higher than when you took this out, even though now hopefully they'd be able to qualify on their own, whereas they weren't able to before. Before. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, they're able to lean. Okay. I mean, yeah, so, so they could refinance, and that's not cheap. I mean, that's going to run probably three, four, five percent of the, the outstanding loan balance just in closing costs to refinance that mortgage. Plus, we've got the jump up in the interest rate that's going to result in a higher payment, uh, even though the balance would be lower uh, potentially. But, you know, that's uh, that's going to be challenging on them just because it's going to make it more expensive. But apart from that, that just the lender has no incentive to let you out of uh, being responsible for that loan. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. right. Well, we'll get together and discuss it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. The other option is you stay on this loan and they just continue to pay on it. And the challenge is you just have to recognize that, you know, if for some reason something changed and they were unable to pay, uh, you know, and they stopped paying, of course, they would have the most harm because the home would be foreclosed on and it's their primary residence, but it would also harm you in the form of, uh, you know, it would really damage your credit if you didn't step in and make the payments. Now, uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. And and if it just turns out that you want to stay on it, even though you'd quit claim, you know, deed the property over to them, well, you could do that. And then when they sell, obviously, uh, you know, they would satisfy the loan at that point. So yeah, I think you guys just need to sit down, think through it, pray through it, talk about where you go from here. If we can help further, let us know, Gail. Thanks for calling. To Noblesville, Indiana. Hey, Randy, thanks for calling. Go ahead. I want to give you accolades for mentioning that you can contribute more to a retirement plan if you're self-employed, and I believe it's through a Roth 401k. Ah, Is that yeah. right? Well, uh, so you, if you're self-employed, you wouldn't have, uh, unless you had what's called an individual K, you wouldn't typically have a Roth 401k available uh, because that those are usually employee-sponsored plans, uh, whereas when you're self-employed, you typically don't have those. But uh, perhaps I was talking about some of the, I know I talked about some of the changes coming with Roth IRAs in the new legislation uh, we've we've got now. Perhaps that's what you're referring to. Okay, so we can contribute more than 7000 for our 401k or IRA if we did a self-employment with my wife's self-employment currently. 
we can con- contribute up to twenty-five or twenty-seven thousand. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So the four hundred one k contribution limits for twenty twenty-three are twenty-two thousand five hundred dollars, and then if you're over age fifty, you can add another seventy-five hundred to that. So that takes you up all the way to thirty thousand dollars with a four hundred one k, and that can be either a traditional or a Roth. Very good. And with that yep. said, uh, since we're changing our plans a little bit, going that route so we can contribute more, tell me about your certified kingdom advisor that we need to contact. Yeah, so this is an industry designation. It's the only one in the financial services industry that specifically relates to uh, this specialization in biblically wise financial advice. So these folks are not on our payroll. They're advisors that are independent with some of the biggest firms up and down Wall Street. But just like the certified financial planner or a certified public accountant, they've sought the industry accepted CKA or certified kingdom advisor designation. Think about this as an add-on designation, Randy, because in order to qualify for the CKA, you either have to have 10 years experience in financial services, whether that's a financial planner or an investment advisor, a tax professional, you have to have at least 10 years or another uh, accepted industry designation like one of the ones that I mentioned, CFP, CPA, CFA, one of those. Then you qualify based on your experience and you can take a 50-hour university-based course on biblically wise financial counsel, a proctored exam, pastor reference, client reference, statement of faith, regulatory review, code of ethics. So it's a high standard, and it should be, right? Because these men and women are being held out as having met high standards in uh, bringing advice and investments that align with the values and priorities of Christians. So they've been especially trained. So there's 1,300 professionals across the country and into Canada that have earned CKA, and you can search for one close to you on our website, faithfi.com. Just click find a CKA, and you can do a zip code search. Does that help? Absolutely. Thank you very much. Okay, Randy. Hey, thanks for listening to the program, you and your wife. And if we can help further along the way, uh, let us know. Thank you for stopping by today. Thank you for listening and being a part of the program. I want to say thank you to my team, Amy, Dan, and Jim Henry, uh, thank you for being here. Come back and join us tomorrow, will you? I'll be here. We'll look for you then. God bless you. Bye-bye. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.